listening to a podcast called Fred, a creation of the Common Ground community of the Banyal Uniting Church, as we wrestle together with life, faith and how we understand God in our lives. Join us as we attempt to find common ground. Hello everyone. Welcome to the third podcast in the Lenten series for the Banyal Network, Lent 3. I'll take the opportunity to welcome you to it. And uh, my name is Paul Blecker and I'm joined by Paul Minty. Uh, This is a conversation relating to, for the third Sunday of Lent. The readings are Luke chapter 13, verses 1 to 9, and Isaiah 55, verses 1 to 13. Fantastic. Thanks, Paul. I'll read uh, from Luke 13, 1 to 9. At that very time, there were some present who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. He asked them, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Well, those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, see here. For three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year, until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. And I'll read Isaiah 55, uh, verses 1 through to 13. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you that have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labour for that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourself in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen so that you may live. I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. See, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. See, you shall call nations that you do not know, and nations that do not know you shall run to you. Because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their way and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them return to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there until they have watered the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I I purpose and succeed in the thing for which I sent it. 
For you shall go out in joy and be led back in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall burst into song, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it shall be to the Lord for a memorial, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. I'm glad you noticed the difference in tone between our two readings, Paul. <laughs> there is quite a, a frustration um, and in, impatience in the Luke reading. Um, and it's much more gentle in the Isaiah reading. So they are addressed to people in contrasting circumstances, is my guess. Uh, we don't know, it's not known with clarity what is being uh, described there, those historic events. However, the uh, idea of suffering or tragedy and equating that to um, divine disfavour is quite clear. And the response of Jesus in saying no is also quite clear. One has to bear in mind that this is the Jesus who is executed in the most humiliating and shameful way in crucifixion. It could be that it's a very strong message to the readers of Luke uh, about following in the footsteps of this Messiah who was crucified. Just crucifixion and Messiah just would not have added up to the people of the time. They would have been direct opposites. Uh, and that's the dilemma for, the, um, for those disciples because in, a, in an empire, um, in a world which is constructed on empire where divine favour is associated with the emperor and the emperor is like God or son of God, to have this son of God be at the very opposite end of the empire hierarchy is a, is a dilemma. I would want to say that it wasn't just those who lived under the Roman Empire and of that time who struggle with this concept of the crucified one, the way of that crucified one as being the way to fullness of life. We struggle with it also. We invest a lot of our lives, of our life, and our energy into avoiding suffering and hardship. One could Imagine that for in some places in the current day, for some people's lives, that what we find and what we listen to in the, in the Gospels is very real to their current day. I, I, I keep recalling um, Mandy telling me about the celebration of Easter in the women's prisons and how for uh, those women it was very real and celebrated with tears. Uh, a couple of weeks ago in week one we read about the temptations of Jesus uh, and the offer was sort of you won't be harmed, you'll be okay, you'll be influential uh, and somehow so a, a powerful, unharmed Messiah would be much more in line with what they're expecting. Uh, 
so contrast that to here where you know just because you're you're bloodied and oppressed um hurt uh doesn't mean you're not the messiah you know there's a real contrast here a real difference um in the readings of that i don't have many answers on that but i'm really intrigued by um comparing those two two passages a little bit more yeah uh, paul i i think of not just jesus as messiah but uh the followers of jesus who are following the way um are not going to be uh unharmed and that would have been a really urgent message to the readers of luke so when they first captured this in writing um that early church was really starting to feel oppression externally um, and internal divisions um, between the initial um, Jewish followers of Jesus and then, then and the expanding church and some of the ethnic and um, cultural religious tensions that started growing there. Uh, so I can imagine that these kind of messages would have been really imperative. There's a sense of urgency and, and immediate relevance for the audience of, the, of these ones and really foreign to us, um, particularly as a more privileged church in the West, um, our, our experience of following Jesus is, is so vastly different. Um, there's a lot of work we need to do to really understand how, how this was understood by its first audience. I, I wanting to say this is, this, is not, this is good news, not just for the church. I think I can remember just marvelling at the courage of the people of Hong Kong. Was it last year or the year before? Um, just to stand up carry their umbrellas to 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 be quiet open and defiant um to um to expose the brutality of the the rule just amazed at their their courage so it's not only in those days it's also in our day yeah voices um we should be listening to to learn more about this i feel so i like the contrast with the uh, isaiah um, because Isaiah's a much happier, more poetic kind of piece. Uh, but I'm wondering, maybe you can't have uh, this Luke passage without the Isaiah passage, um, and I'm thinking without some sort of vision of how the future might be, how, how good it is, how powerful it is, yeah, can you possibly have the courage to, to go through um, the oppressive um, periods as well? And the Isaiah passage that's that's old yeah but um probably written while the jewish people were in exile in babylon would that be right that's my understanding paul that uh, uh written after they were there for about 40 years interesting number 40 in the bible um a generation a, a long time and so seeking to present a different word uh, i think i had said to you earlier that uh uh, Isaiah, oh, well, Luke 13, there's, there's particularly verses 6 to 9, is a picture of divine impatience, whereas Isaiah 55 uh, presents a picture of divine patience, comforting, luxuriating God's blessing. And all you need to do is be thirsty. Well, I think it depends on, on who the, uh, the message is addressed to. Um, for people who have been uh, not just themselves but uh, who've been born into exile to have a belief in a god 
and a promised land, it's a different word to those who are, is it a different word? To whom is Luke addressed? It also is addressed to a people in the midst of societal turmoil. And the impatience is about bearing fruit. If there is impatience, if that's the correct uh, and appropriate or adequate way of describing it. Whereas Isaiah is a generous God. All you have to do is be thirsty and you receive all of this. I don't want to say it's a different God, but there are times when we do need to, to hear, hear from a word about this generous God. There is a thought forming in my mind, and it's it's forming, and it's just noting our comments about, if I may call it, divine judgment. And the trouble with speaking is the thought gets uh, lost a little bit. <laughs> but divine judgment, I mean, in Isaiah, the judgment is favour. Well, speaking of which, I just said that, and then I got booted out of the video chat, so I don't know if I was said something wrong and judgment and off I went. Exclusion, exile for me. So I, I think I was touching on it uh, in terms of noting that uh, when we say divine judgment, um, are, are we are we here in Isaiah, the judgment is of, um, is of an embrace and a, a, a welcome. Um, but when we talk about divine judgment, do we see ourselves receiving that embrace or are we very conscious of um, that we don't deserve it? I did note in the Luke passage that it finishes off with uh, not cutting down the tree but giving it some more time, and not just some more time but some care, some uh, resourcing manure on it. Yeah, I'm not sure how I'd react if I was a fig tree and I was told that I was going to have manure shoveled on me for another year and let's see how I'd pull out of that. I think I'd be quite dismayed as a fig tree knowing that that was to be my next year. Yeah. And yet there's an urgency because it it's only got one year. How do we hold the urgency when we know the grace? So if Lent is a season for focusing on our following of Jesus and our discipleship. These, this very uncomfortable reading is an important one to hear. So I should say uh, thank you, Paul, for sitting together with me in this uncomfortable spot, uh, uh, reading and listening and pondering what we hear in Luke 13, 1 to 9, on the path of discipleship through the season of Lent. You've been listening to a podcast called Fred. If you've enjoyed it, please subscribe on whatever platform you use, rate us and invite your friends to join us. You'll also find us on Facebook by searching Common Ground Heidelberg. We look forward to talking to you again soon. Mm -hmm.